When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Told of a creature that was six and a half to seven feet tall. The CIA ran secret mind control experiments. It's a tale of a creature that's been seen by many, but believed by few. And experts say there have been reported sightings of paranormal activity. And there was this creature that ran down this hill. They say something was flying over their house, and they have no idea what it was. How the world's most powerful individuals are actually shape-shifting reptilians. My scariest ghost hunting experience. It is Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is Paranormal IRL. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson, along with Britt Griffith as we get ready to talk mermaids tonight, Britt. I know, I know that you have a lot of questions. And I have to say, um, I have the benefit of of having uh, talked with our guest, Elyria Swan, uh, previously. She's been on the program before. What a terrific person. Very, uh, it puts all this into terms that even you, yes, you, Britt, can understand. You always start your questioning by saying, pretend I'm a third grader, thinking that'll make them think more of you than... <laughs> than normal but uh i just well i, just I mean know she's I gonna be able to answer first grader but i mean <laughs> then they're gonna have finger paints and crayons mm-hmm. so i mean i don't want them to feel like they have to go that level at least a third grader you can kind of talk to so that's where i'm going but i have a, i have i have an observation okay um every time we start you know in case this radio thing doesn't work out for you yeah, yeah. um this this opening theme i find myself always dancing to it and i'm thinking damn we need jv sir mix a lot i mean you could make it as a dj you know the new fundangle today rave dj because you put that all together and it's like i would think that someone would pay thousands of dollars for that mix it's actually really catchy and it makes me want to dance that's all uh, I well say. you know the funny thing is is my history with you i know there are very few things that actually make you want to dance in general things make you not want to dance true uh, so if that makes True. you want to dance, that's quite. I'm a, not a good dancer. That's quite a statement you're making there, and I take that. I take a lot of pride in that. Now, now that you've said that, I I'm very prideful of that. No, yeah, and, and in all seriousness, I know I'm busting your balls, but I mean, in all seriousness, that's really good. It makes me, <laughs> it, it's, it's energetic, upbeat, it makes me want to dance. But uh, I just I just want to point that out that I think you have a. If this radio thing doesn't work out for you, yeah. I think. You have a career in the DJ mixing business that raves to all the blue and pink haired uh, uh, millennials. Well, and uh, I don't know what what's below millennials. Anyway, how was uh, your weekend? It was, it was, was weekend. fun. I just want to just point out, though, uh, how many more years should I give the radio thing? Because I've been in it about 30 something already. Uh, should I go um, another uh, 20 before I determine whether or not I, I'm, I can do this or not? I. You know, honestly, if, it, if I were giving you life coaching lessons, I would say you should probably look for 
for the DJ career. That's probably where you should focus your energy now because, you know, owning 30 radio stations. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, and being, you know, retired at, you know, 50, uh, you know, that's a failure in life. So you should probably. (laughs) He's saying it with a straight face. I'm actually starting to think you might be onto something here. I don't know. (laughs) I can't keep it going. Anyway, uh, as I mentioned, it's just a great job. I just wanted to say that. To this day, it still makes me want to dance in my seat. Good. Well, I hope it makes everybody who's filing into our chat rooms want to dance as well. And also a little little giggles going on in that little pre-show sequence. You know, we had to have something on there so people knew that it was actually live and not not something that was just a static picture. So that helps out. Britt being abducted by... the Bigfoot, the UFO, if the I, ghost, yeah. If I had one critique, though, all you do is pick out the stupid shit I say, and there's not <laughs> one stupid thing that you say in there. Well, it's not my job to pick out the stupid shit I say. That's your job. So if you want stupid shit of me saying stupid mm. shit, you're going to have to have to find it and, and clip it out and do something with it. Okay. All, All right. right. Fair Just enough. Checking. All so right. How was your weekend? It, it was fine. It was a nice holiday weekend. Uh, it was extended, which is nice. I had to uh, move my son. You know, we had he moved back from Connecticut, so that was a lot of lifting and moving and driving and stuff. But other than oh, that, it was great. So you're sore. Yeah, a little bit sore. I mean, I didn't I didn't lift too All much. Right. I, I don't lift too many things anymore. I'm tired of doing that. I did that a long time. Don't want to do it anymore. Can I? I want to talk a little bit about the guest, our guest, because we're going to bring her in here. We told her Are two. Sure? We told her two minutes. It's been five. Um, Elyria Swan is the author of a book. It's called How to Become a Mermaid. <laughs> Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But we're not only going to be talking about mermaids tonight because she has a tremendous amount of experience with some other things that we like to talk about on this program. And I won't I won't reveal what they are at this point, but we will talk about them. And uh, she's just you didn't all around, even tell me. I'm, I know I'm not going to tell you. And she's all around just knowledgeable about things spiritual. So we're going to have a great time speaking with her. And we're very, very pleased to have her back on the show. Elle, welcome back to the program. It is uh, an honor to have you back. I, I, we were trying to figure out when it was that you were here last. You said December. I believe it. And I said it doesn't seem like December was six months ago, but it was. It was, a, it was a long time ago already. Yeah, that went by so fast, but it's an honor to be back. Good to see you, JV, and nice to meet you, Brett. This is really cool. What have you been doing? Because um, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, – We, you and I exchanged some messages early on talking about things we were going to chat about, and uh, I know that uh, I spent a little bit of time with COVID. I think you hinted that you may have had to deal with it too. Uh, are you Are you recovered? Are you doing all right now? 
I'm okay now. I lost a lot of my lung capacity, so I can't <laughs> hold my breath as long as I used to. So I've got to work my way back up. It hit me hard. So I used to be able to hold my breath for over four minutes. Oh, wow. That's getting back. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting back to being able to hold it for over two now, though. So it, it, it got me, but I'm doing a lot better now. So, well, I have trouble I, I think, on a good day holding my breath for more than like 38 seconds. So I'm, I'm impressed I think we need by to all do a of test. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I not, think we need to do a test. Can you if, put up a timer, JV? We got we to see how long we can hold our breath only for. Only if you hold your breath for four minutes. Will you do that, Britt? Will you hold it for four well, minutes? Well, if I did that, I'll die. <laughs> You'll be blue. And um, <laughs> El, let me ask you this. As far as the holding the breath thing, I want to ask about the COVID effects of it, if you don't mind sharing some of that with us, because I, too, have some lingering effects, and I'm just not sure. I just don't know what's COVID, what's not, what's just me being uh, paranoid. I just don't know. But um, did you train to learn to hold your breath for as long as you could as part of your mermaid existence? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was not natural. Okay. I'm not, um, I, I wouldn't call myself a super athletic person. It takes training for me to get to that point. So, yeah, I had swimming lessons, too, and all sorts of stuff to be able to get to that point. And, uh, I mean, because four minutes is a long time, I and mean, that's really, really impressive. And do you train, like, you must have to do, like, practice every day, like, actually work at it. It's, it's like any other skill, you've got to work at it, right? Exactly. There's like breath exercises and things like that. You can do it out of the water. You can also do it in the water, of course, and just kind of take your time and get back into it. I've just started redoing it all. So it's it, four minutes is a long time and it feels a lot longer when you're holding your breath for it. So Britt, I, I don't know if I can trust you unless you had a, a, a clothespin on your nose. I'm not sure I can trust that you're actually holding your breath. <laughs> We're going to see how long you can go here as we talk. El, I want to, I want to ask you, and again, don't share anything you don't feel comfortable sharing, but, um, you said COVID hit you pretty hard. I know I had a very high fever when I had it. It took me about three weeks, start to finish, for me to start to feel normal mm -hmm. again. And like I said, I still have these like little, uh, what'd you get? What'd you get? 30, 30 seconds is the best <laughs> I could do. Otherwise, I think I was going to pass out. You look, you're like red. Yeah, you look like How you're the hell do you do four minutes? That is you know insane. I'm proud of you, Brett. You did a good job. It's okay. You don't. You don't need to. You don't need to prove anything. You already have street cred as Ghost Hunter, so you're good. I think you're right here. Oh, that's so funny! Wow. Anyway, so you know, I, I broke still a sweat. I still feel like there's some lingering effects. You say your lung capacity was affected. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, how long do you think it, it takes to rebound from that? How long ago did you have the COVID? Um, it was back in February. I want to say. It lasted for over two weeks. I had a killer headache. I couldn't breathe very well. Like I had to sit up pretty much and sleep in a chair. I couldn't lay down or I was like gasping for air. It was it was rough. I'm giving it one out of 10 stars. So Yeah. Um, how <laughs> yeah. about, uh, and I'm going to ask you this, just something I've been experiencing. I've, I've had these like vertigo symptoms ever since I had COVID and they just come and go. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced anything like that? Not that bad. I did for about a week after, but my partner does. He said that he feels kind of dizzy sometimes and he has to like take a minute and deep breathe. It's getting better, but he had long COVID. So he had symptoms for ages and they Jeez. thought he had an infection. He was on antibiotics and of course antibiotics are useless against viruses. So they kind of, it yeah. dawned on them finally that it was just long COVID. So... Yeah. Yeah, he went through it too. All right, well, thanks for sharing that. That wasn't the intention of our conversation here, but I was just curious. Now, when you I have a question, okay. I have a question about the COVID. Did you, when you had it, did you do any of the 
uh, medical regimens that our government told us not to do, like the Iver, like the any of that stuff, get the extra vitamins? Uh, no. Or did you just follow I, it? You just toughed it out? I pretty much toughed it out. I mean, I did take extra vitamins, but I, I don't even know what they were recommending, honestly. I just took extra, like, B12, B6, um, some vitamin C stuff, and drank a ton of water because my mucus was really thick. It was, it was gross, honestly. Yeah, but I didn't do anything, nothing too crazy. I just rested it out. All right. So, right. so I had COVID, too, but I took all the medicines, and I was in and out in three days. Yeah, you say that, but you were sick a lot longer than three days. I remember. (laughs) You you keep saying it. Every time we talk about it. Couch time. Every time we talk about it, it's shorter (laughs) somehow. Somehow it got shorter. It's going to be in eight hours by the time next week comes around. Um, Al, I want to just. (laughs) We we asked a lot of these questions, had a lot of this conversation when you were on in December. And I just. Because the show has been rebranded, we've got a a lot of new folks uh, participating as as viewers or podcast listeners. So forgive me if I repeat some of the questions that. uh, we already talked about, but I think it's a good idea to set the foundation here. So um, as the title of the show indicates, and as the title of your book indicates, uh, we're going to be talking about how to become a mermaid. Now, you are a mermaid, but explain what that means, because people will be looking at you and saying, she's not in the water. I don't see any a tail. I don't see any fins. You know, so obviously it's far more significant than that, but explain what that means. Of course. Yeah. So for those of us who study elementals, elementals are beings that are um, vibrationally similar to whatever element they are, you know, in charge of. So a water elemental would be a mermaid. Um, a mermaid that's incarnated would just be someone who has an aura made of water that um, they've spent many lifetimes in the mermaid realm, or they've spent a significant amount of time on earth, perhaps developing the water element, which humans can do. You can also do that for earth, fire, air, you know, things like that. It can become a part of you. And when it becomes a part of you and it's like it's in your energy field, mermaids and other elementals recognize you as one of their own because that's all that a mermaid is. It's someone who's cultivated what it is inside of themselves. Right. And I remember as part of your story, you, you, you t- a lot of this was occurring to you as you were a child. As you were growing up, you were recognizing this affinity, right? This was something that was kind of intrinsic to you, wasn't something you just decided, you felt it naturally. Yes, for sure. All the training and the meditating, I didn't know any of that. So that came way later because I was raised by a fundamentalist, you know, really conservative family, Christian, um, Baptist, if you want a denomination. And uh, this was, yeah, yeah, I got the trifecta there. Mm. So, um, baby, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) Mermaids started coming to me like in the astral while I was in the bathtub or just when I was in water. And, you know, you're a little kid, so you have imaginary friends and, you know, you see things maybe if you're spiritually inclined. So I didn't always fully understand what was going on, but I knew that these beings were real and that would that they would have great meaning for me later on in my life. So that's how it started. But then I did have to develop it over time. Al, how did these beings come to you as a child, particularly? I mean, were they frightening to you? Did you recognize them as friendly right away? I did. And honestly, it's kind of sad, but like my brother and I were so isolated. So it's, it was almost like a family cult in a way. So we, we had like church friends and things like that, but I was homeschooled for a couple of years, like fourth and fifth grade. Um, I didn't even go anywhere other than violin practice and church and, you know, religious events and that. So we were really lonely kids. So when these nice beings show up while I'm, you know, in the water somewhere, it was, 
really euphoric. It was a good experience and it was really nice to connect with something, you know, that isn't human because they can talk to you at any time. You don't have to, you know, schedule a meetup and figure all those things out. We often talk about, um, you know, some, some, I don't know what I'll call them. I, I don't want to say religious beliefs, but ancient beliefs that break the spiritual world down or much of the, much of the spiritual world and the world around us down into elements, fire, water, earth, air, maybe I'm not, I, I might be not picking them correctly. Uh, but as you talk about the uh, water elementals and mermaids and how this all works together, are those, is that what we're talking about? Similar? Is it connected to those ancient beliefs? I would think so. I mean, all, so many mythologies intersect and every country even has their own ideas of what an elemental being is. You know, even fairies can differ from region to region, but I'm sure that there's some parallels. I, I'm not sure which ancient belief perhaps you're referencing, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. You also uh, not just found this to be something that you were drawn to naturally, but you actually, as you said, developed it over time. I know that you uh, you spent a lot of time in the water. At least you did, you know, when, prior to COVID. And I know you're recovering from all that. Uh, but you spent a lot of time in the water. How do you feel different when you're in the water? I feel, I don't even know what the best human word for it would be, but I feel transcendent. Like, I no longer feel human in a way. It's like, I'm, everything is okay. All missions have been accomplished. Like there's nowhere to be, but here and that vibration, you know, many channels have talked about it. That's what we call golden age energy. It's like when you are so in the moment and you're just so in love with what's happening right then that there's nowhere else you'd rather be. And you don't feel like you need to do anything else right then at the moment you're living in the golden age. And that's truly what it feels like for me. And what about other elements, um, you know, fire, air, earth? Are there beings associated with those elements as well? If someone, I don't know, maybe has an affinity for, and this may sound dangerous on the surface, but uh, for fire, does that mean they have uh, another? Yes. Oh, you have an affinity for fire, uh, Brett? Like is that fi what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I, I like fire. Okay. I'm a pyro. No, I mean, is it, is, does it work similarly with other types <laughs> of elements as well? It does. Um, there are people who do have, you know, fire auras or at least some element like lava or something, you know, in their energy field. So they would connect most deeply with salamanders. That's the word for fire spirit. Sylphs are the names for the air spirits. And then gnomes are the word for earth spirits. And I have to be really careful with earth because it's so dense. It makes me really nauseated when I meditate on them. So that's an element, for example, that I'm not so good with. Do you, can you see people's auras? Can you see them before you've had a conversation with them? Can you tell if someone has a fire aura versus a water aura? Sometimes it kind of depends on what they're doing and honestly what the background behind them looks like. Usually what I do is I meditate on them and I feel it more. So it's more like claircognizance, but sometimes I am clairvoyant. And if it's like a really clear image, I can pick it out. And so, I'm, I'm going to let Brit it, it's more about the feeling. OK, I'm going to let Britt take in just after this question here, um, because and I also want to get into the story because I remember you telling a story about a uh, I think it was a, a, a pet fish that you had that turned out to be something far more important than that. Um, and we'll get to get to that in a minute. Um, but again, when we get back to these auras and uh, and people um, identifying with them and then connecting with beings. You've talked about a lot of different beings that you've actually been able to connect with in other dimensions and other spiritual planes. Um, and some of them uh, sound a little scary. I mean, um, a Gorgon Medusa sounds really, really scary to me, but what are these beings actually that you're connecting with? 
Well, for the Gorgon Medusas, they would be part of the mermaid realm. They're kind of like the guardians. And the mermaid realm is pretty safe overall, so it's like you don't really need these, you know, this armed guard <laughs> formation there. But they generally, for people who are incarnated as mermaids, they kind of, um, how do I say this? Incarnates, for the most part, tend to have a problem with existing in the human world because they're so used to going with the flow in their, in their golden age feeling field that they lack motivation a lot of the time to carve out a life here and to um, even stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves when they need to. So I think that Gorgon Medusas kind of exist to help them push that energy forward as a bridge and to become more human in a way. They're very, very bold. And they are scary, honestly, if, if you come up against one. In the astral, they can be downright terrifying. But their whole purpose is to assist mermaids, but also... Um, for example, I had to go to court once. It was just for a civil issue. I just had to answer some questions. And um, I had one of my friends, you know, invite the Gorgons into my field. They don't stay for very long in my energy field because it's not dense enough to hold them. But she did it for a couple of hours. And the judge, like, he couldn't put two words together. He was, like, shaking in his chair and, like, all messed up. And I later on, I asked someone, I was like, is he normally like that? And she was like, no, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was like really off balance there. And I thought, you know what, maybe that was a little bit overboard that I asked for them to be there, but at least it kind of gave me insight into what they can do. They can be pretty <laughs> intense. And yeah. even if other people can't see it, they can feel it. Okay. So before I let Britt take it, I want to follow up to that. So you can actually use these other beings in a way to support you to your advantage as you just described a situation if you if you bring them into your aura at the right time you can actually it can actually help improve whatever ever situation you're in is that what you're saying precisely and that does take some time and some discipline because you have to be able to safely invite certain beings in because not all of them you know may be compatible with your nervous system or your energy and you also need to be able to you know sever the connection you know politely of course when you're done it's like um in witchcraft you know how they will open a circle and they'll close yeah. the circle so mm -hmm. that you know the magic is done it's kind of like that except you're just doing it on your own in a communication you know in a more communicative way than you know doing earth magic so that's okay. that's kind of what it's like go ahead Britt. okay uh l are you ready for uh, a walk in the third grade class because i need you to answer these questions like i'm a third grader Come at because me. I don't know anything. Of, yeah, I don't know anything about about this. So I, I'm super curious at how it works. But uh, but please forgive my 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 elementary level questioning. But that's just where I work. Okay, so you you are a mermaid incarnate. So it means you didn't come from the ocean with a fin and all that stuff, and then became human, and you will go back to the ocean when you die. Kind of like X on the Beach show. If anybody watches that, um, so you're a reincarnate. So how does that work? So you 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 were born from a human bot from a mother basically that's human, mm -hmm. and then you form you they kind of trained you to be this or do you already have it in you and they just bring it out? I already had it in me, but it's not like it was just innate from the beginning of the universe. There was a point where I had to learn water and take my time with it i just think it was more in a past life type of instance so i don't know if you're okay. uh, familiar with past and parallel lives but that's yes. kind of the configuration i have going on here yeah 
Okay, gotcha. Okay, so this is kind of past life stuff bleeding in, plus just the way your DNA came together, and then the elements that you, you came, you were born under, and then you just, this is what you became, which is really kind of cool. Okay, um, so I don't know a lot about how the, all the astrological stuff works, uh, but so I know there are some people, and I saw this in chat roll by, so I'm kind of piggybacking off of uh, Rain and chat. There are people that are kind of double double signs like fire water she said she was fire water she cancels herself out how does that work if you're a, if you're water and fire or you you kind of kind of blend going on because water does cancel out fire and if you do will the will the elementals kind of fight over you from each side if they really want you how does that work if you kind of split in the lanes yeah that's a really good question just keep in mind i'm not an astrology expert this is just kind of how i see it going in um well i'm a third grader so it's it's okay. We're all third graders here. This is this is planned. So we're all we're all figuring it out. Um, but it depends on the person. I think there's so many different astrological influences to someone's birth chart, also known as their natal chart, that it can be hard to you know just look at the chart and be like, oh, this is your strongest influence. You have to look at the person. Something that I've seen is like. For example, if someone has a strong sun sign, like their primary sign is fire, say, and their rising sign is water, this isn't always the case, but a lot of the time I see their sun sign as something they need to grow into, whereas their rising sign is more of who they naturally are inside. There are exceptions to mm -hmm. that, though, but that's, that's kind of how I see it. The elementals never fight, though. They're not even in the same realms to fight. So they all just okay. have their own mission and they're going to go for it. So, I mean, if I invite a mermaid in and then I have a salamander sitting on my other side, which I have done before, um, I mean, they can co-create and interact, but normally they're just going to go through the channel, which would be like me or, you know, whoever's bringing them through. Got you. Okay. So, I hope so, that, so like, I hope that makes sense. No, it totally does. Totally does. So, so Zodiac signs... You know, they mix and match. They Some play better together. Others don't. So Victoria Lee in, in chat, in Foxwell chat, just said she's fire, air. So is it, will, like, like fire and air work well together in this world, in this, uh, does that help? Like the rising sign is fire, the, 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 the dominant sign is air. Will they, will they help each other to become a stronger either air or fire? Does it work like that? They certainly could. I mean, if she's going about it from a meditative elemental standpoint and she wants to develop those, I think she has a great alignment there to get that going. So, I mean, it can work that way, but it also just depends as well. There's so many factors that go into this. There's other parts of the natal chart and past lives, but yeah, those those can work really, really well together. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so so do you know other people that are like you, like around from around oh, yeah. the world? Okay. Oh so, yeah, I've actually. So you're. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I've met like a whole community of mermaids and other people with you know auras of different elements in nature. You know, most of it's online, but I have met a few of them in person. Um, one of them, my friend, his name is William Mistily. He wrote the foreword for my book. This was like a couple de decades ago, but he put out kind of like a casting call for mermaids. And he was just like, I'm looking for these types of people. And then when certain people would message him, he would read their auras. And some of them ended up having, you know, the type of auras he was looking for. And he kind of formed a community for us. So that's pretty neat. Cool. Okay. So, so you, what part, I don't want to ask like your address, but what part of the country are you from? Originally, I'm from Virginia, but now I live in Sedona. So that's in Arizona. Sedona, Sedona Arizona. Okay, Sedona. I'm in, I'm in LA. Um, 
So okay. have you noticed that like like you're actually a pretty talkative, very cool, very, you know, comfortable with who you are person. That's what I'm picking up off of you. Are like like if I were to talk to a, a mermaid who is Italian and they're a very aggressive in your face, lots of hands going, shit flying everywhere. Hey, watch would what that you're come saying. Watch what with, you're saying about hey, Italians. Hey, <laughs> JV's Italian, by the way. Um oh, you, although you wouldn't know with the last name Johnson. Um but I guess my question is how humans are different. Do you find in the mermaid community that they're different depending on where they're from? Um, It can be. It, it does depend on your culture to some extent. Like there are certain closed practices, of course, you know, like someone who has African heritage, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily contacting everyone that they're close to because that's not for me and it wouldn't be right for, say, a white person to colonize and, you know, invade that space. So I always ask before I, you know, connect with any energy or an entity and things like that. So anyways, I kind of rabbit trailed there. But with that being said, yes, there are That's slight right. differences. And of course, you know, just incarnating in a human body. I mean, none of us exist in a vacuum. So we all, you know, integrate different influences and backgrounds and all that great stuff. So I think there's there's some interaction there. There's there's something conversational that happens between one's spirituality and their cultural background, you know, to some extent, at least. Okay, uh, and JV, you can have this uh, after this question. Um, okay, so you're in Sedona, Arizona, which is not next to the ocean. And as a mermaid, they like the ocean. Or can you can you do well in freshwater? Like there's Lake Mead. There's I mean, there's big bodies of water around you. Is it okay being? A, oh. Is that a suitable subst uh, substitute for the ocean if you're around a big enough body of water? Or can it just be the bathtub? I mean, I'm just curious how that the yeah, level of water that you need That's to be around to feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I get asked all the time, you're a mermaid. Why are you in the desert? And first off, I'm actually in the high Sonoran <laughs> Desert. So we do have trees and we actually okay. have a lot of water. So we get millions of tourists sweeping through Sedona each year because they want to see, you know, stuff like Slide Rock. It's like a natural water slide and all these lakes yeah. and rivers and waterfalls. So as long as there's water, mermaids can exist there. And um, I do make regular trips to L.A. I love the ocean and, you know, I need my beach time. But yeah, but it's it's so great here. And Sedona is such a spiritual place with such high energy. It's supposed to be, you know, a vortex, a place where energy is naturally it is. occurring. It's it's so, you know, enlivening and amazing. I feel like it sustains me. It's it's like it's almost like if there were a starseed hub on Earth, I think this would be one of the one of the capitals. So to me, it feels like home. I, I lived in Colorado right before I moved to Sedona. It was kind of my transition place between this and Virginia where I grew up. And when I left Colorado, I was like hugging the trees goodbye. And like, you know, what did I get myself <laughs> into here? <laughs> but then I got out here and it was, it was fantastic. So, you know, it, it's not what you think of when you think of a desert. If you want like the cigar, saguaro cacti and things like that, you have to go further south to Phoenix. So. Right. L, your book exactly. is called uh, How to Become a Mermaid, Embodying the Elemental Energy of Water. Uh, it's It's been out for a while now, right? I mean, it's been it's been kicking around for a while, hopefully doing well for you. But as as people yeah. as people have found the book, read the book, have you had a lot of people reaching out to you saying, wow, now it makes sense to me. I didn't understand why I had these feelings or these these tendencies, but now it all starts to make sense. Yes, I've had so many. And honestly, I just opened a question section on my website, my mermaid website, and I'm so behind. I only have like two answers posted, but 
even before I wrote this book, William, my friend would send me people like that, you know, because he's like, you know, I can kind of guide you, but Elle's the one who's actually, you know, immersed in all of this. So I already had kind of a steady flow of people. And then I had a really popular Tumblr for a while. So I had some people follow me over from that. So my inbox is flooded and on like how I'm going to get through all of it, but I'll probably just pick out the highlights and do my best to answer those questions. What type, so, but yeah. what type of person or what type of things does a person is a person going through in their in their lives that that maybe they don't recognize that uh, reaching out to you or or the answers that you have and have offered people actually might help them? Are there certain symptoms like if somebody feels uncomfortable with you know, their daily routine, uh, you know, these are the types of red flags that come up that, that you would recommend somebody, hey, look into something like this. You may find a home here. For sure. I think that there's great benefit to anyone having their energy field red. So even if you come to me and you're not necessarily someone with an elemental energy, that's okay. You're probably, you know, a star seed. I think we all have past lives on other planets and in other places that automatically makes us all, you know, what I determined to be a star seed. So I think it's really fruitful to connect with those things. So, I mean, I think there's benefit no matter what you do or no matter what the answer is. But as far as what's going on in someone's life, specifically for mermaids, it's usually someone, and this crosses over to many other things, but it's someone who feels very alien on planet Earth, which I don't think is hard to do, especially me. I'm autistic, so I, you know, I naturally don't fit into all the neurotypical ways of, you know, mainstream capitalism and things like that. I think many spiritual people would also say that. But mermaids in particular need water in some way, in, their, in a big way in their lives to feel like they're okay. It's like their ultimate therapist. And to be fair, humans, I, I think many humans feel that way too. You know, we're all born of water in the womb, so it's a natural, you know, space of safety, at least for most of us. I mean, I, I think I told you in the last one that I almost drowned in the wave tank at Water Country USA when I was a kid. But, you know, oh my God. Just, I, I know it's embarrassing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just think that mermaids have this extra connection with water where they'll spend ridiculous amounts of times in it, of time in it to feel safe and to feel well. So, um, but really what I have to do is I have to read like the inner aura to see, you know, where someone's coming from and to really get a handle on who they are. Okay, so someone has decided, and maybe they've even talked with you or read some of your stuff and decided, okay, you know what, this really makes sense to me. I think this will help my life. It'll help me feel like I, I belong, where I don't feel that way right now. What What's the, without giving away everything that's in your book, because it's obviously far more complicated than we have time for on the show, but what are the first steps someone needs to go through to start down this path? Yeah, so this can go for anyone, whether they naturally have a proclivity for the water element or not. But I would just start with simple water meditations. I have a couple of really, really easy ones to do in my book. Um, you can start with that. You can spend more time in water. You can imagine water flowing through your body. Um, that's very helpful. Something that I like to recommend to people, it's not right for everyone, but I like to recommend the Franz Bardone system to magic because um, he has several books. He was a Czech magician who lived in the early 1900s. I think he died in 1958. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was in the 50s. And 
he developed this entire magic system where you can prepare your mind, your body, your spirit to be able to interact with beings all throughout the universe. But he does specifically talk about mermaids and other elementals. So if you're feeling completely lost and you're like, I need structure here, I would strongly recommend his system because he'll teach you how to be safe. He'll teach you how to focus your thoughts like to a fine point down to a singularity. And it's incredibly fruitful for everyone that i've seen at least can it is it possible that someone who actually doesn't feel comfortable in the water i know there are a lot of people that don't like to swim or whatever but still have this somehow uh, affinity for it in another way maybe in a spiritual sense are those conflicting ideas or is that just you know this is the way some some of it evolves think they're conflicting because i mean even i feel kind of strange incarnating in you know a carbon based life form again so i don't think it's unusual to feel a little odd you know with physical things especially if you've spent many lifetimes in more of a quasi physical sense where you're not quite as dense or you know you're more silicone based or something so i think there's many people with gifts if if you think of you know, humans, we exist on many levels. So we have our spiritual selves, our etheric and astral selves and things like that. And I would say that it's the same for water. So you could totally connect more with the spiritual side of water, maybe on a mental or emotional plane. Of course, that's completely valid. We're going to change the topic here in just a minute, but I want you to tell the story again of your relationship, for lack of a better way to describe it, with the fish that I think you got as a pet and it turned out to be far more than that. Am I remembering the story correctly? Yeah, I actually have several, so I can kind of just pick from all of them, I guess. Um, I can start with the one in college. When I was in college, um, I went to a university I didn't really want to go to. It's just where my parents wanted me to go. And I was only at that one for one semester. And um, during my time there, I went to a pet store and I ended up walking out with a betta fish. And it sounds so crazy to say it out loud, but this fish basically had an aura that was similar to that of a merman or a mermaid. And I started dreaming like, you know, almost losing with these beings. And it was communicated to me that in a way, mermaids, mermen, merfolk, whomever, they can connect to fish and other aquatic life they don't fully incarnate into it but they can kind of um connect to its nervous system in a way and in that sense they can support us in the physical while we're here on earth so you know occasionally i'll see a fish and it has that extra you know that feeling of astral immortality or just something that's so much more than an ordinary fish it's that kind of clues you into you know what they are and they're, they're really cool. They can communicate psychically with you. They can um, be almost protective in a way. I know one mermaid, um, I won't say her name because I think she wants to remain private, but she had a fish who would, uh, she had a really abusive boyfriend at the time, although she wasn't fully aware of it from the start. And he would lose his mind whenever this guy would come anywhere near the bowl. And after a while, she'd kind of figure out, you know what, if this fish doesn't like someone, they're probably a bad person. If this fish likes someone, they're probably good for me. And she actually used that as a meter for her relationships, um, moving on from that. So there's so many different things you can do with these beings when they incarnate. But, but, you, but you were, you were really... surprised, weren't you surprised, at least the first time that you had this connection? That, sure it surprised was. you, right? Yeah, it was really shocking because I didn't know that they could do that. It's like, I felt like you had to only incarnate in a human body and you had to go through all these, you know, 
you had to go through the human experience in order to kind of dip your toe in the water. But that's not the truth. You can connect in various ways through other conduits, but there has to be an agreement, you know, with the animal's soul and between the mermaid realm and things like that. And I, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, is it unethical for, you know, a mer person to connect with a fish? Does it hurt them? The answer is no. You know, all fish and animals deserve to be taken care of and loved. But I think that when a when the mermaid realm connects with an animal it almost makes their life better in a way and it can lengthen their lifespan just a little bit all of my fish with merfolk lived longer so one of the things that you talk about too is uh, an astral mermaid what's the difference between the mermaid that we're talking about or mermaids that we've been talking about and an astral mermaid is it just a version of it or is it a more uh, spiritual version of it yeah, that's a good question. So the astral realm is basically a realm that exists parallel to ours. It, a lot of people think of it as the dream world. It has many levels to it, so that's not all that it is, but it's like a, a higher vibrational dimension. And um, that is where an astral mermaid would reside. It's basically a mermaid who is not incarnated into physical or human form. So that would be in the mermaid realm. There's also, you know, fire realms and different pockets and you know, sections and precincts, depending on what the vibrational, you know, attunement is. So it's, it's, there are some mermaids who incarnate in human bodies, but we're more rare. However, one of the main mermaid queens that you'll hear a lot about in, especially in Franz Bardon's system, he, he was really enamored with this mermaid named Isafel, and she was the first one to contact me. She actually started out as a human woman and she, reached out to the universe in a way and she was just like look i want to be peace i want to reveal the mysteries of stillness and healing that humanity knows nothing about and i want to be that ambassador so when she passed away she was in a way she became a mermaid she was like given the soul of a mermaid and so she will remain until her task is complete is a mermaid so that, her story is really cool is a mermaid soul different than another soul or or do the, are, are all, all of our souls the same and then we just choose different paths with them I like your second definition more I do think that there are some small differences like for example there's some mermaid souls who from what I can discern right now never incarnate as a human so I think that there would be you know when you think about how many times some of us have incarnated in human bodies, that does take a toll and it, it means something. It gives us, you know, relatability to other beings like us. So I think that there might be some vibrational differences. I mean, if a mermaid really wanted to do something else, I guess they could, but their whole mission is to do what they do. So I don't think any of them would, for the most part, would even imagine doing something different than what they started out doing. It doesn't really seem like their vibration to, you know, explore outside of that. That's more of a starseed thing. Britt, I am going to change topics here with Elle. So if you have any other mermaid questions at the moment, uh, now would be a good time to jump in. I don't know if you've got others that you want to ask. Um, I don't necessarily have mermaid questions, but I do have a quick kind of general question. Um, being tuned in like you are with the elementals being a mermaid, I mean, you are really dialed in. Does that help you in the other realms of paranormal just as the word used that goes on around you whether it's ghosts or aliens or bigfoot or does it help you in that world also kind of zero in tune in see experience 
Absolutely. I mean, all the skills are the same. It's it's basically, you know, refined empathy, being able to listen. Sometimes I just channel things and I, it's like, you know, you can draw a picture or you can paint or you can write a poem and they come through in that way. So yeah, absolutely. It's all the same skills. Um, I do think that with elemental things like water, fire, air, things like that, you have to spend time with the element because it's a vibrational alignment and that can, you know, that takes some practice. But Fundamentally, it's all the same thing. So, yeah, that's a good question. So, I, I, that's where I was going. Right, JB, I was going. Gears. Yeah, I was going in that gear. Britt changed the gears for me, so we'll just continue with Sorry. it. Sorry, uh, you have had UFO UAP UAP experiences. Um, are they connected to the elementals, or is it something? Is, is that a different phenomenon in, in in its entirety? And tell us about your experiences too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for me, it does feel more separate. It's like they're aware of each other, but elementals are more on their own. And, you know, ETs support Earthlings, of course, too. But, you know, ETs have their own civilizations and things like that. So to me, I just kind of separate the two out in my mind. Um, but yeah, I've had tons of UAP experiences. Almost all of them were in Sedona. So my favorite one, which is really cool, it was when I first moved here, I moved 2015 and this was in 2016 and i don't know if you guys are familiar but we have red rocks out here and you know they're called vor vortexes or vortices and bell rock is like the main hub in the village of oak creek that's one side of sedona and then just a little further down the you know our highway this is the wild west so it doesn't look like <laughs> the type of highway you're probably thinking about we have yeah. cathedral rock and in between those two, there have been so many, you know, UAP, UFO sightings. It's it's pretty crazy. But me and my partner were basically driving there one night. And I'm, you know, having a good time. We're listening to music. I'm kind of hanging out the window. And I see some lights off in the distance. And to me, it didn't look like a helicopter or a plane or anything. But it was so far away. It was like, you know, it looked like it was a few miles away, perhaps maybe a couple miles it was hard to see so i was just joking around and i leaned out my window and i was like oh hey star family you know because i was hoping to see something i'm always out there messing around i could count like one two three it was all the way from the other side of sedona on top of us there was no noise i couldn't detect any sort of propulsion system and it was shaped kind of like a triangle my partner drew a picture of it and it's in the UFO experience on my website if you want to check it out. It had some lights on it. He says he remembers red and green. Um, I remember the green ones. I don't remember the red ones. But it basically flew right over us. No noise, no nothing. And it was so low. If I'd thrown maybe like a softball or something straight up ahead, I could have hit it. Like it was so close to us. And I just, I felt it. You know, like with some UFOs, you're just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a weather balloon and I saw it wrong or, you know, I don't know. That kind of felt human. This did not feel human. So it came down over Bell Rock and it kind of curved over us and curved over Cathedral Rock toward what we call Airport Mesa. We actually do have an airport up there. And then I get home and I record the experience. And we're both looking at each other like, what just happened? What did we experience? I looked it up and I went on to the, you know, you know, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. Apparently, mm -hmm. the year before, this was in June, like within two days of that date that we had seen something, a group of people had seen the exact same type of aircraft on the same date within the same two hours at night the previous year. Wow. And it kind of like, huh. yeah, it floored me. I was just like, 
Wow. Okay. So that feels pretty synchronous. So that one's probably my favorite because need- it's the close. Go ahead. I need you. I need you to clarify something. Um, you were hanging out the window. Like, are we talking like waist out, sitting on hands up, hippie style as you're going down the road, no, no, Thelma no. and Louise, or just your head like a dog? You know. Yeah, kind of like that. I was like, you know, my upper body's kind of leaning out the window. I'm, I'm like a golden retriever in the car. Okay, I shed like a golden retriever okay, just... too. So good luck cleaning. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hanging yeah. out there. The thing about our highway is that we were there at nighttime, and at night there's it's all pretty much elderly people here. So there's not really nightlife here unless you. I don't know, go stargazing on the rocks or something. This is primarily a town for older people. So it's not a busy road at night. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And um, we were going really, really slow. We were only going like 30 miles an hour. So I was just kind of, you know, hanging out and enjoying the air and having a good time. I love night drives because I'm just basically a dog in the car. So, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) how come you don't have a convertible? That's a good question. I should probably get one at some point, but we just have a basic Honda right now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if I, maybe if I find one of those electric cars. Yeah. L you, um, (laughs) do you think your, uh, and Brick kind of asked this question, but I'm going to ask it a little differently. Do you think your, uh, aura or your, your connection to the astral realm and these other beings would make you more susceptible to having these encounters with UAP or UFO? Do you think they're connected to this, the, the ETs? Do you think they can sense it? Are they also aware of all of this? I think so. And the way that I see it, I don't know if everyone will agree. I think that we have certain agreements that maybe we don't remember, you know, when we incarnate, like, you know, we're going to have certain encounters, perhaps we're going to be one of the people who's going to help awaken others to the idea that there is other life in the universe. So I think that's part of it, too. But I mean, I don't want to assert myself or put myself above anyone else because I think anyone can become, you know, once again, what a mermaid or a starseed is. But I do think that I had those soul contracts in there where I'm going to see, you know, maybe a few things that come first. We've had a lot of uh, discussion in, in, I guess, pop culture, but also specifically in the federal government about these phenomena recently. Uh, They've been releasing uh, videos and photographs and Basically offering an explanation that is no explanation is kind of where they've gone with their explanations. (laughs) However, uh, they seem to be more more forthcoming with this. Do you see the the federal government's attitude changing? And what do you think, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see any of their videos, but what do you think uh, they are experiencing, the military or whatever it happens to be? Yeah, I think that they would actually be the people who would be seeing more of these things. Cause you know, like the air force, they're going to be up in the air all the time. My brother is actually in the air force as is his wife. They're not, they're not pilots, they're journalists, but um, one of them is actually about to tour, I think with the Thunderbirds, she's going to be based out of Vegas. So that's going to be pretty cool. But I think that they are in a position to be able to see those kinds of things more. So it makes sense that they would. And um, I don't know if you saw it. It was a couple of weeks ago when, they had like the little UFO Congress and they talked about, um, you know, the UAPs that have been going on and stuff. And it was just kind of funny because people were asking like, well, did you try to communicate with these things that you're investigating? And the guy who's answering the questions, you know, he just kind of pauses and he like looks, you know, and there's this big hesitation there. And then he kind of says no. And it sounds a whole lot like he wanted to say yes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what they're, you know, 
techniques are, what's going on there, but I definitely see them becoming more open about it. You know, it used to be like, oh, they're trying to cover everything up, but it seems more now like they're looking at things and they're like, hey, this isn't us. You know, that that's definitely not us. And we want the public to know about it. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but some of it, and you just pointed it out, some of it seems to be like, uh, hey, look over here. Don't look behind the curtain. Look over here. We'll dangle these little bits of information over here to keep you appeased while we keep the big curtain closed where all the real stuff is. I, I kind of get that feeling, don't you? Yeah, for sure. It's especially with the way he was answering some of the questions. It was very evasive and he would kind of hesitate and it's not it's clearly not just basic stage fright. Like, you know, he knows some things and he, it may not even be like, he doesn't want to share it. He probably can't, you know, depending on, you know, his superiors and all the different political nuances above him. But yeah, for sure. I'm, I think that they know a lot more than they're letting on. I think that they do know oftentimes which craft are manned, you know, and which ones are not and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's no secret, but I think with all the phenomena that's been occurring, they have to acknowledge something. So I, I think I think it's good that we're getting to this point, though, because I think the more that we broadcast that we feel comfortable with ET contact, the more we're broadcasting consent, you know, and I think that is important to ETs, you know, to some extent, like, okay, I think we're ready for this. Uh, vibrationally, we can at least entertain the idea that we are not, you know, the only beings in the universe. So I think it's good that at least they're talking about it, even if they're still hiding things. They, they're always hiding something, right? Always. It doesn't matter what the topic is. In fact, they feel like they have to hide it regardless of what it is. It's just insane. Um, yeah. A power thing. Yeah, it is a power thing. Let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about, uh, there have been efforts, and I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I'm anxious to hear it if you do. There have been efforts to actually send signals, and they're actually doing it, sending signals into space, uh, welcoming messages, whatever they happen to be, saying, hey, we're here. There are some that say, hey, we shouldn't be doing that. We should remain quiet. We should remain our own little thing here, because if there is a, an alien technology that can actually make that you know, multi- uh, many hundreds of light years journey to us, um, then they, they probably have the technology that would be necessary to defeat us, enslave us, us, whatever it happens to be. Do you worry about anything like that? It's, it's definitely crossed my mind. I mean, I know there are so many loving beings and species in the universe. I've connected with them, but of course there's always those low density types that, you know, just takes one, infiltrate. just takes one bad one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. The thing, the reason why I'm not r ridiculously worried about it is because um, it, it's it's commonly talked about in starseed realms how Earth has actually been in a type of quarantine for a long time. It's why we haven't received, you know, that much ET contact. Basically, you know, way, way back in our ancient history, it was thought that, you know, negative races were trying to take over or at least incarnate, you know, in something similar to human bodies. Um, there's people who are way more adept with those histories than I am. But long story short, you know, more evolved races say like the Pleiadians and higher beings put up kind of this energetic shield around Earth, like an incubator, I guess, to kind of protect us so that we could evolve and develop, you know, our tech and learn who we are and get to where we need to be spiritually before, you know, those walls come down and we're integrated into, you know, all of these different galactic or intergalactic alliances. So I think that when the walls come down, perhaps these higher beings will be 
they'll help they'll kind of midwife us i think into the next stage of our existence and from what i have seen i know that others may have a different opinion but because of this quarantine because of this energetic shield i've really only seen high vibrational ets making you know physical or quasi physical contact with us so i'm not i'm not too too worried about it because of those safeguards we seem to have in place do these does this quarantine is it a two-way quarantine in other words it's keeping things out from from getting to us but is it, is it this at the same time keeping us from venturing too far out i mean we haven't necessarily tried to get to mars yet in in a, in a, a human uh craft anyway or beyond that um but does this quarantine work in both directions are they trying to keep us in place too I think so in a way, like, I think they're open to us exploring biological life. So I'm really excited. I want someone to get some equipment out to one of Saturn's moons. It's called Enceladus. Mm -hmm. Some people pronounce it Enceladus. You know, we can fight over that. <laughs> but um, it, yep. it's basically, it's a water planet and it has uh, what's called tidal heating. So you've got like this ice sheet on the top and you've got warm water, you know, beneath that most likely. And it would be a really obvious place perhaps for you know life to evolve since you know life on earth evolved in the water so i don't think that they would be opposed to that we just don't seem to have the tech yet or if we do perhaps it's being hidden from us i've had that thought as well and something else like you have to think about is you know these people at the top the top one percent you know the kings of capitalism or you know oligarchies or whatever they don't want us making contact with these higher beings because then they're not the top dogs anymore yeah. and that's scary to them yep. yeah. so that's that's, well, I mean, to that, me, that's the scariest force here. Well, that brings up Elon Musk, too, because he is uh, obviously he has SpaceX and he has talked very openly about getting to Mars. Uh, do you think he's doing that to preempt someone else from doing it? Or do you think he's doing that to protect himself? I mean, uh, what's his motivation there? If it's not for mankind, to use a phrase, uh, is it just for him? Is he doing it selfishly? I think he's a very selfish person. I mean, he has all that money. He could solve world hunger if he wants. He offered to, I think, I think didn't he? <laughs> didn't he offer to? Yeah, yeah no, no, he, no, he offered to. And he didn't do it. Uh, did but they, then he didn't do did it. Did they take him up on it? I don't remember. No, no. I just know. No, 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 no. That's not true at all. He said, if you can show me a system that works and it doesn't get corrupted by government entities st stealing all the money, he would gladly do it. He would donate, what, and $6 no billion or something? System. It was like $6 billion yeah, or something? He, yeah. But no one would, yeah, would no, yeah. no government agency, no country would allow him to come in with uh, non-government. They want their cut. So he said, no. Yeah. I, I look yeah. at Elon Musk and, they're, and, and the, the oligarchs that you're talking about, the, the, the CEOs, the capitalists, the, the Black Rocks, the State Streets, they're going after him like a mofo because he stepped out of line. He's not mm -hmm. marching. He's marching alone. Yeah, yeah. Is he a selfish person? Yeah, but he's also on the spectrum, so he thinks different than us, which to all of us who think normal, I shouldn't say normal. That's the wrong way to say that. That don't think at his level, it's scary to us, and we look at it as ego and arrogance, and he's just a smart mf'er. And But when he stepped a little bit out of line and they turned on him on a dime— that made me think, uh, what's he doing over? He's he there's something going on there because the, the oligarchs that we hate, the ones that are corrupt and want all the power and all of us to stay in the ditch, don't like Elon Musk because he's not falling in line. So I think we need to hold judgment on Elon right now and see how this all ferrets out because our media and mass is lying to us about him. Because if you think about it, yeah. last year we all loved him because he was solving the 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 petroleum car problems. And everybody loved him, but he steps a little out of line, 
from the oligarchs, and he becomes enemy number one. Yeah, I don't know. I hear you. I, I, I can appreciate that perspective. I get it. I don't know. I don't think anyone is fully good or fully bad. So, I mean, you know, of course he's going to have true. selfish traits. But yeah, 100%. but you're right. You're right. He has, you know, he's smart. He has the capability of doing certain things. So, I mean, I don't fully know. I don't think any of us know all the political nuances going on there, but I think Ugh. he could do better than what he's doing. If I'm being real, I'm sure that there's some subversive way that he could figure something out. He's Maybe. so smart. Like, you can't tell me that there's Maybe. not something more he could be doing. But I do hear what you're saying. You know, he has to watch his step. He has to be careful. You know, he's got all these yeah. problems that we don't even have to think about. But I think that in reference <laughs> to JV's, yeah, I think in reference to JV's question, mm. I mean, yeah, I think he absolutely has that natural curiosity. So he's going to want to go and discover certain things. But at the same time, on the other side, you know, no offense to you, Elon Musk fans, <laughs> but I, I do think that he, I, I think that he does want to be, you know, the crown prince of the discovery. But I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to crucify. And, and don't him get me wrong. I know. Yeah, I'm not an Elon Musk lover. I'm just. I've just been uh, I've just been around the block enough with all these world governments and oligarchs and been so immersed in that world that there whenever they in a group focus on one person like him because he stepped out of line a little bit it makes me go all right what's up here something's he's there's something there he's not like you said he's not evil he's we're all a little bad we're all a little good you know what is he who knows he just has a lot of money to do it um and the only other observation right. i have is what if we're the leper colony and we just don't know it <laughs> yeah like we're the we're the outside group and we have no idea yeah i, yeah. I understand yeah. that that's why they're staying away <laughs> we're the leper colony yeah i mean all right, that's from all I what i've from what i've meditated on with all of these higher beings i mean i haven't gone into you know all the specific humans so i haven't even you know asked them about elon musk or anything like that but they actually think very highly of humans because we actually contain a lot of different dna influences many ets gave some of that to us to kind of get our species started and evolved you know we, we can go back through evolution and see how they kind of branched off but they contributed and based on what i've understood while meditating they did help with some of the key environmental factors that helped life evolve on Earth. So from my perspective, many of these ETs are kind of on the edge of their seat watching humans evolve, and they're very excited to see where we get. So to us, I mean, yeah, we're kind of in our baby phase. We're, we're still kind of in the incubator, but all species go through that. So, I mean, it's not something to be ashamed of. We're dealing with a very difficult incarnation experience like this is this isn't like other et groups where they're all more uniform and they have a similar background we are all so you know we have similarities but we're all different from each other so we have so many different types of beings incarnating in these fleshly physical forms that we have to learn how to communicate and how to get along and that's not an arc that all other civilizations take so i think it's something that we should be proud of ourselves for so what I'm hearing from you, if I take everything you just said and, and kind of process it all down and encapsulate it, it goes all the way back to Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek and the Vulcans. They didn't reach out and touch and, and, and communicate with us directly until we hit the certain propulsion level to be able to jump galaxies. So is that what it is? Basically, the ETs are waiting for us technology-wise to grow it ourselves, make it ourselves, and be able to jump around the universe and like, okay, we better reach out and kind of guide them through this because now they can get to us. That's a good way to think of it. I from the future. 
Yeah, don't violate the prime directive. So I, I feel that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think they tend to look at us more from a spiritual, emotional sense. But yes, our tech does, you know, that's one of the gauges that they would use. I wouldn't say that there's just one, you know, they're looking at many, many different things to be able to contact us. They also don't want to, you know, make us regress by setting us back in our you know, natural evolution. So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And I mean, I'm sitting here as if I know everything and I, I definitely don't, you know, <laughs> this is, you know, more than this me, is just, this is just basic stuff, you know? So, yeah. Well, you're doing a great job of, uh, uh explaining it. If, even if you don't, you're not, uh, going to admit to knowing it all, but, um, you put it in such a easily understandable, uh, package that it makes it makes it uh very comprehensible i do want to ask you a little bit about the um the meditation and the dream-like communication that you talk about when you reach out and when you have uh, interactions with these other beings we've thrown a few of the names around during the course of the discussion it's often through meditation right it's through that process maybe dreamlike uh, um, connections talk a little bit about how that works and are they, is it like an out-of-body experience for you um, it depends on how I'm doing it. So if I'm meditating, it's actually not, it's a very in-body experience. So I feel fully grounded and centered here. And, um, it, it's, it feels different, of course, than channeling a mermaid, but honestly, that's not even my favorite way to contact ETs because it's not immersive enough for me, even if I feel grounded. So the way that I started contacting them and the way that they kind of started contacting me was through lucid dreaming. And I use the wake back to bed method. So what that means is you go to bed for a certain number of hours, usually about five or six. You're supposed to wake up for an hour, you know, meditate or drink some tea or something, do some yoga stretches, and then go back to bed. And interrupting your sleep like that and focusing, say, your thoughts or your intention on what you want to connect with will help you lucid dream. So I do that, and it, it helps me facilitate communication with these beings. You know, you can cut. It's it's like when you set up an appointment with someone on a calendar, like hey, I would really love to meet with you at this date at this time. And the dream world's really fun because you can kind of construct the space that, you know, you want to dream in and think about where you want to meet. And um, if you're in vibrational alignment with them, you can make contact with different species or perhaps with different versions of yourself who live on other planets and things. So that's that's my favorite way to do it because you can defy the current laws of physics that we understand, you know, maybe you can fly in your dreams and just have really cool adventures with these beings where you're not limited by your physical form. Uh, is that include other types of beings as well? Is that how you like to communicate with them? Whether it's, uh, what do we say? We talked about um, uh, Gorgon Medusa. I don't even know what Selkies are. You're going to have to explain that or Kraken or, or, you know, some of these other types of uh, entities. Yeah, I dream with them too sometimes. So a selkie would be like uh they they kind of look like seals. They're they're like seal people. Um they're very social and they love to build community. So I, that's something that I really like about them because that's something we as humans need to remember how to do. We have to remember how to build community and, you know, kind of construct the ideas of a new earth. So I think that that's the gift that they bring. And then krakens, I think most people think of those as, you know, the massive sort of octopi right. people. Yeah. And yeah, they seem to be related in a way to a lot of star CD offshoots. I, I'm not sure about their whole, you know, taxonomical family history and all those different branches, but there's some big starseed connections there. But um, krakens tend to clear, you know, I call them krakens. That's probably not even the best word. I, I just don't have a better word for them yet, but they kind of clear energy and they keep a record of deaths at sea and 
things like that. They're kind of like the keepers of the gates in a way of the astral ocean. So I think that they're they're pretty cool. They're they're scary to meet sometimes at first cuz they're so big in the astral realm, but they're they're very amiable beings when you you know you settle yourself and you sit and you truly feel the core of their essence. Well, everything you've talked about has been interesting and quite fascinating. The book How to Be a Mermaid is available where and you've mentioned your website a few times. I don't have it written down here. So what's the website address as well? Yeah, so my mermaid website is the sedonamermaid.com. And I have a lot of different things on there, resources. I've got a blog. I do talk about some uh, social issues on there. So, you know, come prepared for that. I talk about some spiritual challenges in Sedona and things like that. But I also go into mermaid stuff. So um, that's where you can find that. You can find my book. You can go to my website where I have some links there. It's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. And you can also buy it through Inner Traditions, who's my publisher. So anything else yeah, going on? Lots of different places you can find it. Other projects in the works that you want to share with us, L, or or should we just be be happy that we've we've done this so far and wait and, and not push you into something else? Oh no, keep keep pushing me. I probably need it. Um, yeah, um, I'll probably end up reaching out to some newsletters and journals to publish some poetry in the near future. Um, I'm almost done with a more human book. It's not as spiritual. It's just talking through like my religious upbringing and how to heal from, you know, that kind of trauma and things like that. And then um, I am really excited. It's it's one of those things that I never expected to happen. But my book is winning an award in June through the oh, awesome. through Cover. Yeah, so it's like the Coalition of Visionary Resources. I don't know what the award is yet, but <laughs> I just call it the little book that could. But it's just, it's nice to be The little seen book and... that could. <laughs> I love yep. it. All right, so Britt, before, yep. we let, before we let Elle go, who were we talking to on the show very recently? One of our guests who is who has a trip. They're doing, make, doing a trip to Sedona. Remember? Oh, yeah, that was uh, Kimberly. Kim, Kim, Kimberly McGeorge? Was... Yeah, yeah, I think so. Is yeah, yeah. was going out there for a for a, I think so. The old uh, spiritual older, retreat, old. a spiritual um, retreat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah, cool. we talked about going out there with her. Yeah, she wanted us to go. Do, do you know who that is, uh, Kimberly McGeorge? L is that name ringing no, a bell? No, I haven't. Heard, no, I haven't heard of her. But hey, if you guys come out here, I'd love to. You know, catch up. We can yeah. maybe we can meet somewhere and. Hang out. That would be really neat. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think she may have regretted the invitation after she made it because Britt actually sounded like he was going to take her up on it. <laughs> She's like, whoa, I didn't really mean it. I was just kidding. No, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Sedona's only like a six-hour drive for me, so, you know, it's not that far. Well, that's awesome. Well, do it. Do it. You can, you know what, if something falls through, you can come to my place and hang out and meet my partner and see some of the water sites out here. Yeah. That would be really cool. That sounds great. Oh, hell great. yeah. Yeah, that's Oh, I would great, love though. to do that water slide, the rock the rock water slide thing. I've never done I've always wanted to do that. Always yeah, we'll have to, to go really um, early because it, it, it's packed out, but what? it's worth it. It's fun. Okay. I'm Brit, Brit stop. Mm. Calm down. Do, do you have big property? <laughs> do you have big property? Calm down. I'm not. I'm, I'm setting up my vacation right now. What are you talking about? Calm down. Because I have a travel I trailer. About I don't even need to be in your house. Elon Musk, I got him all fired up. This is my fault. Yeah, you did, <laughs> Elle. This is all your fault. That, that was me. Uh, yeah. Um, my, my house is very normal, human-sized house. I do have a backyard okay. that greatly needs, needs some yard work. But, yeah, I mean... It's got enough space for all of us, and I will happily, I truly mean this invitation, I will happily be your tour guide and show you around. So, yeah, if you need a reason Please. to come out, 
Come on out. All right. Well, thank you for that. And by the Hell way, yeah. Iowa Joe in our YouTube chat is issuing a warning. He says, you got to treat Britt like a vampire. You never invite him into the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I don't think truer words have ever been spoken. Al, thank you for, for hey, coming Dale. back. Thank you for coming back to the show. We appreciate it. And you are such a great spokesperson for all these ideas, and we appreciate your insight and your time. Oh, thank you. I love you guys so much. It was great to be here, and I really appreciate you guys, too. Yeah, and we'll look forward great to meeting you, Al. Yeah, we'll look forward to having you back yeah, you sometime. Too, all right, take care. And have Absolutely. a great summer. Sorry, summer gets here. You too. You guys take care. Thank you so much. All right. So, Britt, you just inv- you just invited yourself to Sedona. I'm you're totally bring, going. You're bringing I a trailer. Totally you're going to like Cousin Eddie yep. showing up with a camper, and you're going to oh. park the camper in Shitter the driveway. Shit, full. <laughs> yeah, in the driveway. Totally. And God totally. knows how long you're going to stay there. Oh, man. Oh, absolutely. I'm going. I mean, I'm absolutely going. I mean, my, 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 uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I mean, my, my dad lives in St. George, Utah, and he's always telling me to come out there. And there's, I mean, there's campsites everywhere. I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to park in her front lawn. I mean, come on. I got a little more class than that. <laughs> I can you, find a campsite do down you? around the corner, but uh, sometimes, um, most of the time, yeah. if I like you, I do. But, uh, but no, total, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Hey, I can then sit, check off my bucket list. I got a tour of Sedona, Arizona by a mermaid. Yeah, no. Who the a, hell can check I, who, that, who off has that on their Who has list. that on their bingo card? I mean, that's not one of those things you put on a list because you don't ever think you, that's uh, on your list. A tour of Sedona by a mermaid. That was on your list before yes. you knew Elle was going to yes. be a guest. That was on no, your list. Okay. No, not at all. all right. I added it to my list right now. I figured you did. Okay. So that's a little different. Right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was, well, that was not what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It was totally cool and totally sane well, and totally rational and it I, makes sense. And I think I told you, I think I said she, Elle, Elle presents this stuff in such a, uh, first of all, matter of fact way, but also just in a, in a way that's easy to understand. And, um, she is an excellent spokes, spokesperson for these ideas. And that's why I really like to have and her back. She had, she had those cool headset with the little, little, the little cat. cat ears on top. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like. Does she game? Uh, I think we should that, have asked her that. Does she game? I, it looks I, like a gaming headset. I asked her that last time, and I don't remember the answer. I think she, I think it, she plays like Sims or something along those lines. I don't remember specifically, but I did ask her that during the last interview. Oh, we did. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it all is. Right. It is interesting. Um. I don't know. I guess. What if she could teach me to hold my breath longer than thirty seconds? Four minutes. Wow. Four minutes. How the hell do you do that for four minutes? I know. And you got what? Thirty-eight seconds. How far did you get? No, thirty. Three zero. (laughs) At twenty-eight seconds, I thought I was going to pass out, so I decided to breathe. (laughs) Well, our lung capacity is not what it used to be. can tell you no, I, I don't think it was ever four minutes. No, I know, no, never four minutes. I know I could, I think I could go like a minute and a half, I think is what I remember doing. I know I took some, some, I don't know if it was lifeguard training, whatever it was, where you had to be able to hold your breath for at least a minute underwater, that kind of thing. I used to do that, but wow. Yeah, I would, I would fail. I would totally fail. I would, yeah, you sorry, you're grounding, a, dude. There, there must have been a time you could hold your breath for a minute. Uh, maybe when I was younger, but definitely yeah. not right now. Yeah, no, not right now. No, I actually have trouble completing a sentence without I've taken another breath at this point. And I don't know. If, <laughs> I, I don't know if COVID. I think. I think absolutely COVID did this to me. But I don't know if it was the disease itself or the fact that for th- going on three years now, I haven't done anything. I haven't gone anywhere. Oh, 
I haven't played Which any is gigs. Which part of COVID. Yeah, I haven't played any gigs. And, you know, I used to be able to sing. Well, I, I can still sing, but I used to be able to, you know, take my breathing was part of my yeah. singing process and I could sing whole verses, you know, that I've not have without having to worry about br- taking breaths in appropriate times. Yeah, and I can't I am, do that. I now. am absolutely sure. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure that this, the sedentary lifestyle for the last two and a half, three years is a big part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I just read a research paper that's saying that the, the children, uh, the elementary level children, they're at the same level of development before COVID, like this whole shutdown and school yeah. learning from remote, they haven't developed at all. Right. It was like and a suspension they, of time. And they're getting fatter yep. and the health is getting worse. And yeah, because we locked everybody up. Yeah, I hate our fucking government. Anyway, don't get me going. Um, yeah. So trivia I, time. Yeah, I think it's time to do some trivia. But yeah, the, the whole uh, the whole. Or do you have other thing. stuff? No, I don't. I don't have anything else. I think it's time for trivia. Um I will tell you the brisket that I smoked on uh, Monday. Oh my God, amazing! I started at twelve thirty at night, midnight basically, and every hour I got up to put a little spray spray on it. Um, it was the best food I have ever made in my entire life because okay. of that barbecue that you make fun of. No, I, I'm not making fun of it, Britt. I'm just saying it's not really barbecuing. It's more of a kind of an automated robot. Artificial intelligence created something. It's not quite the same as being out there with a spatula flipping burgers. It's not the same thing. It's a different thing. It's not any worse. It's just different. True, but the food was amazing. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Like I'm glad to die for. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I made uh, macaroni and cheese. I'm, I was pretty pleased with that. Did you really? No, I didn't. I, but I love macaroni and cheese. I made macaroni. I did make macaroni and cheese, and I smoked it on the barbecue. You've been smoking something. I, 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 yeah, there's something. Oh, I smoke everything now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, trivia time. <laughs> uh, trivia time. You ready? Uh-huh. Okay. First question. Since 1973, the downtown hotel in Dawson City, a town situated along the Yukon River in Canada, has been serving a specialty drink, the Sour Toe Cocktail. What goes into a sour toe cocktail? And how would we know this? There's got to be some connection. So repeat the whole damn question. Since 1973, okay, that's probably an important piece of information, 1973. Something happened in 1973. Since 1973, the, the downtown hotel in Dawson City, a town situated along the Yukon River in Canada, has been serving a specialty drink, the sour toe cocktail. What goes into a sour toe cocktail? Toe jam? Beatles vodka. You're, you see, okay, see. And lime juice. Yeah, okay, so you're going with the toe jam. You're going to take it literally, sour toe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because why else would you call it sour toe unless you're putting some sour okay, funky well, toe jam? Uh, Crap like I said, I think that probably 1973 is an important piece of information in this trivia question. What happened in Canada, particularly, maybe the Yukon River in 1973? Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you have an idea of what happened in 73? I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain to try to come up with something that makes sense, and I'm not coming up with some anything. Toe jam. Steph said it's a dehydrated toe, toe, a severed toe, a toe for real. Mm. All these people are saying it's actually a toe. Oh, is that the drink they put an actual human toe in? 
Maybe it's not, but maybe we're being too little as a human. human maybe it, Where do they get human toes from? Well, from the morgue. Where else? They go to the morgue and take people's toes? Yeah. You just get it. You get a big set of plant shears, you know, from shrubbery. Please tell me. And you just, please tell me that they, they just dip the toe in and then take it out. But they don't, it's not putting severed toes in there. Well, what if it's not a human toe? What if it's like a frog toe or a bird toe? Something something well, exotic like that that goes in it. Maybe, but everybody in our uh, chat is saying a human toe. So that's a human toe. I is love a human everybody. Toe. I see. I I love our chat. You were so offended that I was going down the toe jam human toe road, and you were like, "Oh, Muffy, that's not right." And our chat is on my side, and we all went disgusting with human toes. Yeah, but you were more disgusting with toe jam. Well, if the toe jam is on the severed toe, it's going in the drink. Oh, man. Okay. Again, our question is, since 1973, the downtown hotel in Dawson City, a town situated along the Yukon River in Canada, has been serving a specialty drink, the Sour Toe Cocktail. What goes into a Sour Toe Cocktail, you ask? Yes, I do ask. Well, really, you asked. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so our answer is our answer is I mean uh Yukon Jack whiskey. Yukon Jack whiskey and a dehydrated human toe. People who lose their toes sometimes <laughs> donate them to the downtown hotel for use in the unusual drink. Are you flipping kidding me? A, A, I can't imagine they serve more than two or three of these drinks in any given year. B, even if they serve only two or three drinks, how do they get two or three severed toes sent to them in the course of a year? Well, it just said it. It just said it. People donated. Oh, I know. I know. But how did more than two or three people donate a severed toe to the downtown hotel in Dawson City uh, in a given year? First of all, most people that lose a toe don't keep it. To send it to somebody. If they know about Dawson's Creek, they might. <laughs> Not Dawson's Creek. That's a TV show. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Dawson. <laughs> Dawson's Creek. Oh, Randall says they reuse them. Oh, well, maybe there they go. There you go. How uh, would Randall know that? Okay, let me ask the third obvious question here. Why the hell would anybody order that? Would you order a sour toe? Well, I, I or, say, or back, back that question up. Yeah. Back that question up even further. How did they come up with that? Why? Yeah. So Why some, would they do some that? Some bartender was sitting around here said, okay, well, how can we make this drink uh, extra special, unique? And it just so happened that that Tommy, the daytime bartender, uh, got his toe chopped off because the ice machine fell on it earlier that day. And it was the toe was still <laughs> lying under the ice machine. So uh, Billy, the night bartender, picked it up I and have, put it in a drink. I have a more plausible idea. What if there was an accident at the whiskey barreling thing and a in a particular vat, a toe, someone lost a digit, a big toe, it ended up in there fermenting with it. And the Yukon that Jack? That goes out to this, to this the Yukon Jack at the factory, whatever, and that goes out to that particular hotel. Yeah. And, you know, they, they crack they, they, it and it, yeah. tastes, it, it, it tastes different. It's like, whoa, this is a little, they don't know why. People are like, oh, I want, I want that barrel. That barrel has a nice little <laughs> kick to it. You know, I'm just saying. I mean, think about it. A little nice little kick to it. So, and then they didn't figure it out until 
when the barrel was empty and they went to roll it, it's like a thump, the thump, the thump, the toe was inside of it as they rolled the barrel out. So they open it up and they see it's a human toe. And they're like, the human toe gave the Yukon Jack the special kick. This is our special drink. Wow, Britt. Uh, you just painted that whole picture, didn't you? You just went from start to finish and every little nuance yeah. of the process here that could have created the sour toe cocktail. And I keep That's wanting, what I'm going with. Someone look that I up on the interwebs and let us I, know. I have to be careful because I keep almost using the word camel in that phrase, and I don't mean to. Camel toe? No, that's a different <laughs> kind of toe. That's a different cocktail. Completely different uh, kind of toe with a completely different kind of taste. It was a different cocktail. All right. Next question. Here we go. Yes. The song Both Sides Now was a career-defining hit for singer-songwriter Judy Collins when she recorded it in 1967. However... Collins didn't write the song. Who did? What's the name of the song? Both Sides Now. I look at love from both sides now. I'm going to go with 67. Oh, boy. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, huh? That's an interesting guess. That's very interesting, actually. Randall Flagg asks Paul McCartney. Toey says Carol King. Oh, could be Carol King. That's another good one. Randy Newman, always a good answer. Randy Newman is a prolific songwriter for a lot of different people. Rebel says the writer of the song wrote it, of course. That's a good one. Uh, the song "Both Sides Now." Both the sides now. The song. <laughs> Both sides now was a career-defining hit for singer-songwriter Judy Collins. Judy Collins, when she recorded it in 1967. However, Collins didn't write the song. Who did? We got Joni Mitchell. We got Randy Newman. We got uh, Bing Crosby. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, who else we got going on here? Yeah, that's about it. Okay, uh, we got David we got a Graham Nash. Okay, well let's uh, let's look at. Uh, I don't know who this is going to be. Oh, that's yeah. It was uh, somebody had it here. Who had it? Debbie Warren had it. Uh, Joni Mitchell wrote it. The funny thing is, is I always confuse confuse Joni Mitchell and Judy Collins. I always confuse the two of them. And Phoebe Snow gets right in there Why? too. I don't know. They're just similar they styles. I, I couldn't oh. even tell you what they look like. I mean, I I know I probably could point them out, but anyway, it was Joni Mitchell. Who, who released her own recording of the song on her album Clouds two years later? So Joni Mitchell, no, also wrote Big All Yellow right. Taxi. I'll buy that for a dollar. Big Yellow Taxi. Big Yellow Taxi. No, she wrote that. Joni Mitchell, I think she did. Anyway, uh, final question for Scooter to give him three. Here we go. In the Austin, Scooter always wants a threesome. I know. What the hell? I know. Scooter, uh, or no, Scooter. Scooter is not on this question. Uh, the, in the Austin Powers films, the nefarious Dr. Evil owns a hairless sphinx cat. What is the real name of the cat featured in the films? <laughs> Does that mean that the, the cat, like the, 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 like the actual cat, when it goes home, this is its name as an actor cat? Yes. Or are we talking about what, yeah, what is what a cat? they're going for. Oh, okay. Not what the cat is named. Going, what is the, the cat's real name? Okay. Yeah. They're, asking, be, they're asking what its birth name is. It's got to be Fluffy. It's got to be. I would. That would be make sense. Yeah. Right? Or Harry. Who names a cat Harry? A bald. You, you name a bald <laughs> cat Harry. I'm going to go with Fluffy. 
Yeah, but I think you're on to it with Fluffy. You, Mr. Cuddlemuffin, Jinx the Cat, <laughs> Naked Nancy, Mr. Wiggles, Fringe Dweller says there's a donation option on your driver's license for toes. Fringe for toes. Want to donate I them think, to I the think, downtown I think, hotel? I think, I think that's just in general. I wonder if the hotel can just call the donation center and go, "Hey, do you have any toes laying around?" Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, maybe in Canada they have a checkbox in there that you can say, "Okay, if, if I if I lose a toe." Or I'm in an accident and I don't make it. Please donate my toes. I mean, you get ten in, in like oh one, like in a well, in a one person uh, accident, you get ten toes. That's mm. good for ten drinks. I imagine that's going to fill their fill their uh, orders for a year. Is it? Yeah, a toe isn't an organ. Yeah, you're right, Randall. But that's a technicality. All right. Question is: In the Austin Power Austin Powers films, the nefarious Doctor Evil owns a hairless Sphinx cat. What is the real name of the cat featured in the film? Oh, my God. Is it fluffy? It's not fluffy. And nobody got it. I don't see anybody with anything even close. What is it, like George? It's actually named after somebody. It's named after a uh, celebrity. Uh, male or female? It's a play on the name of a male celebrity. Uh, older or newer generation? I'd say this is this celebrity is probably older, although pretty notorious even now. For actually more notorious now? now because of uh their involvement in politics than what they're originally known for, which would it be like Arnold Schwarzenegger? It would be like that. That's Play not that's not yeah, that's not that's not who it is though, in this case. Hmm. William Foyt? Foyt? No. Winston Churchill, Telly Savalas, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, this this celebrity's still alive. Still alive. <clears throat> um, notable notable movies like A list level. I didn't say movies. I said celebrity. I didn't no, say I was say, okay. Okay, movies, TV. We got Jane Fonda. We got Gorbachev. Gorbachev. <laughs> Arnie. If I say what they're known for, anybody it's going to give it away immediately. All right. Well, is anybody getting it yet in chat? No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, remember what I said, All though? Right. What they're, we'll what more, they're more Barack Mialba. <laughs> <laughs> remember what I said they were known for more now? More normal, more. No, uh, uh, and they're alive, so it's not Sonny Bono. Um, right. Yeah, I didn't say no, they were elected uh, to anything. I didn't say they were elected. All right, but they were a celebrity, not necessarily movies. They're mo they're known more now for politics. Would it be like uh, play on Donald Trump's name? No. Okay, politics. Um, uh, Kane. Uh, so breaking the image goes with. Uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna Kane. have to. I'm gonna have to give it away because I don't think anybody's gonna go in well, the right direction. Back, just with give this. another hint. Another hint. Right, give uh, another hint. Th there's a there's a fierce debate going on right now. Uh, that this, oh, is it Elon Musk? That this celebrity uh, would uh, be participating in. It's not Elon Musk. Is it uh, not Elon Musk? 
fierce debate if they would be participating in politics. Yeah, I didn't say elected. Um, oh, no, no, but to participate, whether they'd run or not type of thing. Um, would it be national politics or local politics? National, politically active. Nationally, politically active. But as Is that a, that guy that was, it was tough? For a cause. For a cause. Not, not just in general. For a cause. For a cause. Um, not William Defoe. What the hell is his name? He's in. All right, here, he here, here's another clue. Here's another clue. One of the things this celebrity is known for, from their celebrity craft, from what they do as you know, what their celebrity is is about, uh, actually makes this make a lot of sense. Um, I I don't again. I, I'm trying not to just make it. Give it away completely. Uh, shoot. All right, forget it. I'm just gonna. We're just gonna give the answer. Okay. So it's it's a musician. Does that help? It's a musician who is dabbling in politics or going full throated into politics. Who's active for a particular cause? Uh oh, a particular cause. We got the cookie slinger. In that the, couch is in the house. We got the cookie slinger in uh, in the Fox the cookie chat. slinger. <laughs> <laughs> He's an artist. He's a musician for a cause. The Willie Nelson, a play on Willie Nelson's name? No, we got somebody got it. Somebody in got marijuana? it. Somebody got it. Somebody did get oh, it. Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yeah. He does have a cause. Okay, so <laughs> Matt says it rhymes with nugget, sort of. <laughs> um But Nugget. <laughs> so the name of the cat is not Ted Nugent. It's Ted Nude Gent. Ted oh Nude Gent. Austin Powers, oh, International Man of Mystery, was Ted's silver screen debut. That took a long oh, time to get to that answer. Nice job, hey, Randall, for coming was, up with it. It was fun watching you struggle. I was struggling? I was trying to figure out why you couldn't yeah, get it. I gave you all the information. Hey, because you weren't giving good enough hints. <laughs> Probably. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> Ted Nugent is a strong Second Amendment supporter. There's a very fierce Second, Ma and Second Amendment debate going on right now. So that's I thought that was going to give it to you when I said it was something that was fierce debate going on right now. <laughs> did you see the, the tweet that David Hogg put out? How many AR-15s did Jesus own? <laughs> and I, can't, I don't know who it was, but someone responded right back to him. Not enough to keep his government from murdering him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so true wow that's funny alright guys uh, I should have phoned the kid he's been studying the Trivial Pursuit cards you know what's funny about the Trivial Pursuit cards the original ones they're so outdated so many of the questions oh, are no longer valid there's a lot of questions about the Soviet Union in the Trivial Pursuit cards it's kind of funny when you see how much times have changed in, in a trivia sense it's really funny Uh Hey, uh, Fringe Dweller, thank you for the contribution of the gold, gold pills. Thank you very, very much for that. We appreciate it. And you too, Matt Couch, cookie slinger. Oh, Couch is throwing another cookie around. Look at him go. Look at him go. <laughs> he buys oh them by God. the gross. He yeah. buys the cookies by the and gross. And he's telling everybody I only listen to Spice Girls. How does he know that? How is he everybody, spying on me? Everybody knows that, Britt, about you. Mm. Oh. All right. 
Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for tonight. Right. Thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you again to Elle, the mermaid. Her her full name is Illyria Swan. Her book is called How to Become a Mermaid. You can find it on Amazon. Her website is thesedonamermaid.com if you want more information about her work. And I'm sure we'll have her back on the program at some point. Uh, we've got a lot of great uh, other great guests coming. So uh, just uh, check in with us Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Right. And, uh, you know, if you want some great merch, go to uh, ParanormalIRL.com, ParanormalIRL.com. Find the merch tab. And if you go there, uh, there's a bunch of shirts, ghosty shirts, UFO shirts, Bigfoot shirts, etc. I may have to make a mermaid shirt somehow and get that up. But uh, there's some great merch there and it helps support the show because all the stuff that we do costs quite a bit of money, actually, um, every month because everything's subscription now. You can't just buy anything. And uh, yeah, please help support the show. We greatly appreciate it. And we love that you guys are still here watching us and listening to us. All right, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you next time.